<laughs> so my voice is a bit crackling. Um, you know, it's always amazing when, when you prepare for something, oh, the enemy wants to come and attack you. Uncle, my helper. Oh, the enemy wants to come and attack you. And I think up to about Monday, I could almost not speak at all. I cannot scream like a girl at the moment. When I go the high notes, I go like, Wheesh. So, but that's a good thing. And I definitely won't shout my hand back, my hand back. Um, yes. It's, it's interesting. This isn't on the, on, on the scriptures. It's just something that came to mind. So there was this couple that wanted to get married. And the, the bride-to-be came to the pastor. She said, listen, pastor, I've got this thing on my heart I want to share with my new husband. It's scripture. He says, okay, what's the scripture? She says, don't worry. I'm going to ask them to put it on the cake. And when she ordered the cake, she said to the lady, please put on the cake 1 John 4 verse 18. That's all. Now, 1 John 4 verse 18 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever, whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Isn't that a beautiful message you wanted to convey to a husband? But you know the way weddings go these days. You've got the sermon, and then the new couple jump in the car, and they disappear forever to go and find somebody else's garden to take nice pics. And all the guests sit here at the wedding or at the venue, and they just look at each other and play with their thumbs and stuff. But there was this little lighty Johnny, and he was walking around, and he ate this cake, and he think, wow, that thing looks so lacquer. But he reckons he, he can't take a bite out. He can't, you know, they're going to see it. So he thinks, I'm just going to take the little one. Nobody's going to miss that. So he takes the little one in front of 1 John verse 18. So when, when the couple eventually returns, the pastor standing here, and as they enter, he looks at the cake and he says, he sees John 4 verse 18. He says, brother, I just want to tell you, your new bride has got a special message she wants to share that's on her heart. It's a deep message. And he opens his Bible and he reads John 4, verse 18, and it says, For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. Uh, the Bible is incredible. I mean, we can find so many, so many little nuggets in here. It's, it's, it's incredible. So what I want to share this morning with you is, is something for me that's, that's very close to my heart. But, but how did we end up here? I think it was about February. We had a little check-in with Johannes and Maris. From time to time, we, you know, we do a little WhatsApp call because Teams only gives you an hour. <laughs> WhatsApp, you can go longer. And we just catch up and talk and have fun. And then Maris said, would you guys like to come and minister in Namibia? And I always wanted to go to Namibia. I've never been here. So we said yes. And I mean, it felt so distant 
into the future, and, and, and here we are. And it's such a blessing for us to be here and to minister this weekend. But what's incredible for me is you can go anywhere. When you find brothers and sisters in Christ, it's as if you're already family. You already, you already have a, a, something in, 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 in unity. Because all of us has got the same Father in heaven. One of the things that, so yeah, thank you, Johannes Maris. Thank you for, for giving us the floor. I said to Johannes, at least he's got till the rest of the year to fix whatever I broke while you guys were here. Um, but all we do is we go around and share our story. Because you know, Revelation says, you shall overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the power of your testimonies. And that's what we do. We just share our testimony. Because our testimony is broken lives touched by an all-loving Father and the blood of Jesus Christ that came to heal us. And that's the healing we would like to see everybody have, especially couples, our, our oil, our ministries, couples. Because you know what? If, if you can save one marriage, you save generations to come. You impact communities. You impact the church. It's not just about us. In fact, it's not at all about us. Our story is not our story. It's his story that became our history. So the thing that's laid on my heart is, you know, church doesn't always move. Because a lot of us get stuck so much in our, our problems and our troubles that we don't realize who we are in God. And then we focus so much on our problems and, and all those things. And sometimes the sad reality is if I talk about an all-loving father in heaven, your reference might be an earthly father which was abusive, which was a drunk, which was absent, or maybe you didn't even know him at all. So then I tell you, you know, you've got a father that loves you. Then you battle to relate because your picture of a father is not the picture of the heavenly father. And if you, if you, have, been, if you have been adopted or if you have been rejected, you know, there's good news. Psalms 27.10 says, for my mother and father has forsaken me, but God has adopted me. So even if you don't know your earthly father, even if he was absent, your heavenly father's always been there. So for me personally, the problem is a lot of us don't know who we are in Christ. A while ago, we at our, our um, church, we had a, uh, um, we pray every second Monday. And while we prayed, God showed me a lot of Christians are like, you know, in the U.S. you get food stamps. They come to church on a Sunday to get food stamps to last them for the week. But you know what? If you're a child of God, you're seated at his table. You can feast with your father every single day. You don't have to live on food stamps from Sunday to Sunday. But a lot of us in church are happy with the food stamps. That's not what God had in store for you. And because you're happy with the food stamps, you don't get to enjoy that, what your heavenly father, 
the table is set before you. Like in Psalms uh, 23. He set the table before you. So this morning I'm just going to share a bit about that. Father God, I ask that as I, I pray or as I preach this morning, Lord, that it, it's not my words that come out, but your words. I ask, Lord, that the seed that gets planted this morning will, will be falling on fertile ground. Holy Spirit, I ask that you touch each person's heart in this place. And after this sermon, Lord, I ask that no person here will ever call themselves again that what you do not call them. But that they will start calling themselves that which you call them. And that they will stand up a mighty army. Lord, that it will not be a valley of dry bones like in Ezekiel. But that it will be a vast army that's rejuvenated and standing up. And that the church will move. And when I say the church, Lord, I mean your body. I don't mean this church. I mean all churches. Because the only way the, the lost can be reached, Lord, is if we go and we preach the truth. Because the only thing that sets us free is the truth. And I ask, Lord, that this morning as I minister, that it's not my words. But it's the words that you send out. Because you were, your word says, the word you send out would be like the dew. It won't return void without doing that for which you've sent it out. And this morning, Lord, I'm just a, an instrument. I'm just a, a mouthpiece for your message. Thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so it's easy to say that you are Christian and, you know, to face the goodness of God. That song, two of those songs, the one, Mercy Me, that says, even if you don't move the mountains, I won't start, stop trusting in you. I know, God, you can do this and I will be healed. You can do this and my finances will be sorted. A new job will come. But you know, even if you don't, even if you don't, I'll still believe in you. And the other song of Philippa said, you still reign and you still God. If you look at the world out there, it doesn't look like God's in control, does it? Because we, we move and live in a broken world full of broken people. So yeah, it's easy to say I'm a Christian when I've got money in the bank, when I have a job, when I have food in the fridge. I've got a bed to lay on. But what if I don't have that? Can I then still say God is good? Sing of the goodness of God? Because we, we, we're so focused on our needs, our physical needs, our, on our circumstances, our situations, that we often forget Jesus didn't come. Yes, he came to set the captives free. He anointed us to set the captives free. But you know what? Sometimes, like the, the, the disciples that were in, the, in, in jail, when the angel opened the gate, they stayed. And when the God wanted to take his own life, they said, no, 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 we're still here. You know what the result was? That God and his whole family got saved. Because we don't have a kingdom mindset. 
accept our own kingdoms. We're so focused on ourselves. So we live in a world full of broken people. There's corruption and crime. There's murmuring. And you know what? We do what the Israelites do did in, 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 in the desert. We often say, in the good old days, the Bible says, don't look back. And we murmur. And you know what? And we're stuck in the desert. You don't have to be stuck in the desert for 40 years because Jesus came. Sometimes we choose and our decisions we make leave us for 40 years in the desert. We don't see the promises. They saw the promises. They saw the promised land. They saw the fruit. But they also saw the giants. All but two of the 12 that were sent out saw the giants. The two saw the promise. And only those two and their families actually entered the promised land. So we live in a world full of broken people. And that often takes our, our focus away from God. So the children of Israel, they, 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 they actually wanted to go back to slavery. Because slavery was their kind of comfort zone. So often our hurt is our comfort zone. Sometimes we've got a victim mentality because that's our comfort zone. And we put ourselves under slavery. And that's not what God had in store for you. You might, you might sit here this morning feeling in a, that you're in a desert. You might sit here not even knowing where your next meal comes from. You might sit here knowing that your job or your contract ends the end of the month. And it's difficult to say God is good. And often then we go back into slavery. Last year, April, we had uh, floods in, in Durban. And I can tell you something, there's nothing worse than walking in through an area and you see the houses are gone and people are hopeless. And you know a lot of people died and you don't know even if they knew God. COVID, people lost loved ones they couldn't even go and greet or pray with. I don't know. We survived COVID because we had a God to hold on to. Because we know what's happening on this earth. It's only a small bit of eternity. What do people that don't have that don't hold on to him? So yeah, the, the house, when the winds came and, and the storms came, we can relate to that. And every time it starts raining hard, it's as if there's this quiet that falls down over the whole of Durban. Just to give you an indication, close to the old airport, they had 396 millimeters of rain. That's four meters of rain. That's how much water fell. So every time it rains hard, people just hold their breaths. So a while ago, the rain came, and it came down hard. I went out into my stoop. I said, in Jesus' name, this rain will turn back where it came from. And it stopped. Sadly, the people in Pinetown got flooded because the rain went back that way. Next time, I'll pray differently. 
friends of ours, no, 11, 12 o'clock at night, this deep in water in their whole house. You can't climb into bed without being wet. So, so we know about floods and, and rains and winds that come. But when that comes, you can see who the, who the children of God are. They're not hopeless. They pick up the pieces and they just move it on and they carry on. So I'm going to, this morning, everybody that's here has got two things in common. First of all, you were born. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here, obviously. Second of all, you have a name. Okay, and, and I'm not going to go too much into the names. We'll, we'll talk about that a bit later. So I'm going to give you two golden nuggets that I believe can change your life. It changed our lives, and I'll share a bit about that later. The first nugget is to call yourself that which God calls you. So I'm, I was almost called Benoni. So my name is Benjamin. And if you read the story of, 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 of Jacob and his two wives, the one he didn't want, the other one he loved. The one he didn't love at all the kids in a row. And she gave the kids the names to say, maybe my husband will love me now. Maybe my husband will accept me now. The goodness of God is on me. And when she gave birth to Judah, she said, now I will praise God. So her children, as she walked around, they walked around, they were reminded, my husband doesn't love me. The wife he did love had two sons. The youngest when he was born, she died. But before she died, she called him Ben-Oni. And that's where the name of Ben-Oni comes from. And that means the son of my sorrow. So imagine this chap going the rest of his life. Hey, the son of your mother, dead mother's sorrow, come here. Because that was his name. And for the first time, Jacob interceded when she named the child. She said, no, you will be Benjamin. You will be the son of my right hand. So I'm glad, otherwise I was Benoni. <laughs> My name's Benjamin. So I want to share a photo of you, um, that first photo, please. So this is not me, my wife, and our one daughter. It's just a photo of us. So, so she has done three comrades races. She's done, I think, four, two oceans. And this was last year, just after the floods. So the flats were there. There's one road out of our area. And every now and then, a section of the road caved in, caved in, caved in. But before we could drive down to Cape Town, our other daughter and, and her husband, their, their whole French drain collapsed. And their driveway was filled with mud. And my son had COVID, oh, my son-in-law had COVID. And we said, we can't leave without them having to, uh, able to come out. So we first went to their house and shoveled and shoveled and cleaned. And when we went past that road, there was less than a quarter of the road left. And you could see everything that's been gone down. Okay, so that's after I completed my Two Oceans Half Marathon. That was April. Um, she helped me prepare. She's like Cruella de Vol. 
um, there's, I asked her the one day when the first uh, practice run we did, the elevation gain was like 200 meters over, over eight kilometers. I mean, that's a lot. I said, do you have childhood issues you haven't dealt with yet? Because I feel like this is, this is getting back at me, punishing me. Okay, so that happened. That was April. Shortly after that, the 12th of August last year, I had a stroke. Thursday morning. A couple of things added to it, and I was working from home, and I just slumped in the tree. I was as dizzy as can be. I somehow managed to make it to the bathroom because I was nauseous. And my wife's a nurse, and she saw something is wrong with me. So now she had to get me in the car. I, somehow God helped me to get in the car. That's a Thursday. She raced through the streets to get me to hospital. I said, slow down, please. I don't want to die. And you know what I said to her? I'll be fine. Because I know there's still prophetic word over our lives that haven't come into fulfillment. Got to the hospital. They took an x-ray of my chest, gave me some pills, sent me home. They thought I had a heart attack. The Friday, I pretty much slept the whole time. Every time I woke, I had these incredible headaches. And I would just say, this headache isn't my portion. In Jesus' name, go. And the headache will go. The Saturday, same thing, the headaches. The Sunday, that was just before our daughter did her uh, uh, last two oceans. We wanted to check out the route where we're going to second for and so on. I had these headaches. Incredible headaches. And every time I'll say, in Jesus' name, this headache isn't my portion, go. And the headache would lift. The Monday, we went back to hospital to get an appointment to see the cardio cardiologist for my heart. And they looked at me and said, no, 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 you don't go anywhere. And they thought I had the TIA, which is like a light stroke. And then the whole of the Monday, they did tests. And I was still fine. I said, there's still prophetic word. I'm a child of God. I stand on the prophetic word. And the Monday evening, the doctor came after he saw the CT scan results. And he said, you had a full-blown stroke. He said, yeah, they can see the scarring in the back here. Full-blown stroke. I was fine up until that evening. I'm a child of God, remember. I know, I'm looking forward to meet my king. But I still have work here. That Monday night, I couldn't sleep. There was this fear that I don't know that started gripping me. I have never known fear like that. Because I was afraid if I close my eyes, I won't wake up. Every time I say, 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, God hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And I'll remind me of the scripture. I sat reading Bible the whole night, but I didn't want to go to sleep. 
We're no longer slaves to fear. I know who I am in Christ. I am a child of God. I know for a fact if I die, I'm going to meet my maker. But I, that fear, I never knew. Round about half past three, I fell asleep. Round about half past four, they woke me up to give me my medication. And I got up, took my Bible. It's a little corner with a chair and a table. And I sat down. Even if I said, God, if you heal me, it's to your glory. I'll be okay with it. If you don't, it's to your glory, and I'll be okay with it. Even if. So when the specialist came, it's about the short, gray old man. The next morning, he looked at the results, and he looked at me, and he had this frown. And he, and he talked to me, I answered him, and he said, follow my finger, smile, get up, walk to the room, a whole walk back. And he had this frown, because he couldn't understand the results he saw and the man he saw. And here's an amazing thing. If they treated me for a stroke on the Thursday, he would have said, wow, thank you that we made it to hospital in time. Four days later, they started treating me for a stroke. I think I'm mostly fine. My wife says I lost a few filters. The amazing thing is I started remembering stuff from my childhood that I never remembered before. Physically, I'm okay. I, lo I, I gained a bit of weight. I, just, I had to show you I wasn't always this fat. There was a time that I couldn't exercise, I couldn't walk. And I just put on some excess weight. But, but we, we've got a plan coming to, to sort that out. Okay, you might be sitting here today. You might feel, you might have names like abandoned, unloved, rejected. Those might be the names that you sit here with. Abused. And things happened to us and it was never God's plan. It's not God's plan. Somebody said a while ago, um, the lady and her two kids died in a car crash. She said, no, maybe God has a plan with this. I said, stop. Stop. Don't ever tell me my loving father will kill or will give a daughter, a little child, cancer to get the attention of her parents. That's not a loving father. That's a cruel person. John 10, 10 says, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy but Jesus says, I came to give you life and life in abundance. So I, you might sit here with these names that forgotten. Those might be the names that, you, that you've been calling yourself lately. Struggler, loser, lonely, 
unworthy, addict, forgotten. Um, so the first piece of scripture is 1 Samuel 6 verse 7, just the second part of it. For the Lord sees not as man sees. For the man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So we've got these labels we're carrying around because we don't see what God sees. We see other things. And, and, and the, here's the thing. And it happens every time. As I was preparing for this weekend and for today, I didn't feel worthy. Because I look at other people that minister. They giants. I don't feel worthy. We've been leaders of a ministry in Cape Town for seven years. Every time we, we, I drove out to the campsite, I didn't feel worthy. Because you look at the other people, spiritual giants. Yes, little Benoni. I didn't feel worthy. And you know what? I'm okay with that. Because I know God will equip, equip me. God makes me worthy. By my own strength, I am not worthy to preach. By God's strength, by His equip, equip, equipping me, I am worthy. There was a long time in my life that I did not honor King, honor God as, 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 as King as in my life. I didn't honor Him in my life. Um, and as long as we like that, we're worthless to the kingdom. I had my past that kept on following me. You know, if, if, if you've got a past, it's like this, this thing behind you, this axe that just waits to drop. And, and we shared a lot yesterday um, about that past. And the only time we go back to the past today is to say, thank you, Lord, for what you did for us. To use it as a testimony. We don't dwell in the past. We use it as a testimony. Because what God did for us, he can do for anybody. But as long as, as, as I had those things, I wasn't worthy of the kingdom. So the Bible says God is just. God punishes iniquities. God hates sin. And that became my name, the sinner. So there's this little document called a certificate of debt or charge sheet. Many years ago I worked, I actually started my post-school career in the Department of Justice. I was a public prosecutor, and the first case I had to prosecute, we would jump in the car, me and the, the magistrate would drive out with this uh, government vehicle to, to the sticks, to a little police office. And there in the back office, that would be the court for the day. And I remember they brought the case against these three guys. And I looked at that docket, and I thought, there's no way that they can prove beyond a reasonable doubt that these guys are guilty. But I was the accuser. My job is to accuse, right? And I'll never forget the judge 
looked at me over his glasses. He says, what does the state plead? I said, guilty, your honor. Even though in my heart I knew they, <laughs> there's not proof. And he looked at me like that. And he brought the gaffel down. He said, not guilty. And I could see the disgust in his eyes that the prosecutor, based on, 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 on a case like that, would ask for a guilty verdict. But you know, each one of us has got a, an accuser that's constantly accusing us before God of things we are guilty of. We, we're guilty of those things. And God is a just God. God hates sin. So you have a plaintiff and an accused. You've got a charge. And then God did this amazing thing. Uh, two Colossians, Colossians 2 verse 13 to 14. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, your worldliness, your manner of life, God made you alive together with Christ, having freely forgiven us all our sins, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of legal demands which we enforce against us and which, we, which were hostile to us. And this certificate he has set aside and completely removed by nailing it to the cross. So each one of us have got an instrument of death against us. This is mine. Things we are guilty of. A legal charge brought against us. And the scripture says, God took this instrument of death. The Bible says, he's constantly, the devil is constantly accusing us before God. He says, God, do you know, this guy is an adulterer. He's a liar. He's a thief. He's a murderer. He's a bad father. He's an addict. He is lazy. He broke all of your commandments. He's a hypocrite. God, here's the charge sheet against him. And these are legal demands against me. You know what that scripture says? It says God took this and he nailed it to the cross. So he took my instrument of death. And he nailed it to the cross when he nailed his son, Jesus Christ, to the cross. God is a just God and sin must be punished. There's another scripture. Um, I'll come to it a bit later. 2 Corinthians 5.21 where he says, God made him who knew no sin, sin. Jesus didn't know sin. He made him to become sin. He nailed my instrument of death to the cross. And I want to show you something what that means. The Bible says we were purified by fire. So when God nailed that to the cross, his son Jesus Christ, 
That's what that means. It's gone. God is a just God, but he took all my sin, past, present, and future, and he done that on his son, Jesus Christ, when he nailed him to the cross, and he said, it is finished. So when Jesus said, the telestai, it is finished, my charge sheet, your charge sheet, each one of your charge sheets have been paid in full. Yes, those are legal demands, but the price was paid. So that's the first nugget. Call yourself what God call you. The second nugget is believe in the absolute forgiveness of God. The absolute forgiveness. This has been forgiven absolutely. Present sins, past sins, future sins. Absolutely forgiven. There's no sin. Yes, the Bible says, if you willfully keep on living in sin, it's like you nailing Jesus to the cross over and over again. But that means it's been paid. It's been paid in full. I want to mention this. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's your portion. If you've accepted him, if you haven't, you still stand under the charge. Romans 8 verse 1 to 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation, no guilty verdict, no punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus, who believe in him as personal Lord and Savior for the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, the law of our new being, has set you free from the law of sin and of death. So what does that mean? The absolute forgiveness. And I'm going to show you another demonstration. Matthew 23, verse 27 to 28. Just want to show you that. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and of uncleanliness. That's me. That's me. For a long time in my life, I would go to church. You know, we walk into church. I always sat at the aisle. You know, it's, that's reserved for the head of the house. Then it was the wife, and then it was our three kids. We were like perfectly aligned. You know, you walk in and you look at them and you sit at the same time. Godliness. Outward appearance of godliness. I was an elder in the church. I was on the financial committee, the bazaar committee. Uh, I was uh, the scribe of the church board. I was the second in the ring. Oh, I had this whitewashed grave with outward appearance. I looked so good. When people would look at me in church, think, wow, what a godly man that is. But you know what? Underneath all of this facade, 
underneath this outward appearance of godliness was the real me. So there's a, a saying I, I heard. Three men walked down the street. Down the street went he. He was one, but they saw three. The man they saw, the man he was, and the man he wanted to be. So while I was at this outward appearance of godliness, I was another person, the man he was. I'll go to church on Sunday. And at that point in time, I believed in my life, you know, you had a balance sheet with God. If you had a sin, you had to do some good. And hopefully at the end, somewhere, you come out okay. The man he was. While I was in church, while I was doing all those things, I was cheating on my wife. I was a bad father. I had zero relationship with God other than on the Sunday or at the church bazaar. There, there I was present. So there's another scripture. Isaiah 118. Uh, this is actually an amazing scripture. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins were like scarlet, you shall be as white as snow. Though they are like red crimson, they will be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the best of the land. So what Christ did to me, or for me, he took away those, that sin I had. The man he wanted to be. That the day I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, he started changing me from the inside out. And all of that had to fall off. And remember the, uh, the instrument of death that God nailed to the cross. And he said, I will never think of it again. The Bible says, I will remove your sin from you as far as the east from the west. If you travel east, you will never get west. Except in Namibia. Uh, if you travel west, yeah, you'll get to the sea. But yeah, you, you will always travel east or always travel west. And God says, I will never think of it. And you know, God is in eternity, which means that is my past. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is crafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior, he is a new creature. He is reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, new things have come because spiritual awakening brings a new life. Do you have uh, that 2 Corinthians 5.21 as well, please? For our sake he made him who knew no sin to be sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let me tell you something. If you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are the righteousness of God. 
that means you're standing in righteousness, in right standing before your heavenly Father. When he looks at you, he don't see you. He sees his son, Jesus Christ. So Jesus became like me so I could become like him. And that scripture says, that the, the previous one also said, you're a new creature. The amazing thing, if you've got a worm and it pupates, do you know enzymes eat everything that was worm away? The mouth, the brain, everything. When the butterfly comes out, there's nothing left of the worm in the butterfly. And that's what that 2 Corinthians 5.21 says. You are a new creature. You've been made new. All the old things have passed. Does it always feel like it? No. No, like I said, preparing for this, I didn't feel worthy. But I know who I am in God. And I don't let that deter, deter me. When I prepared for this, I got sick. I lost my voice. But we got in the car and drove anyway. Because I know God's got a message to deliver. Even where my voice stops, he's going to still talk. So, let's start calling us what God calls us. He calls you precious, a child of God, purchased, a new creation, free, no longer a slave, the head and not the tail. Corinthians 1.13, ah, Colossians 1.13, says, God brought us over from the dominion of darkness. And it's a good thing that thing got a bit scarred at the edges. God brought us over in the kingdom of his beloved son. What does that mean for you, for, for you and for me? I didn't do it, God did it. He brought me over from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. So in the kingdom of darkness is punishment. In his kingdom there's peace. Here is transgression, there's freedom, sorrow, joy, wounds, healing, curse, blessing, death. Eternal, eternal death, eternal life. Can I go from here back here? In my mind, I can. If I don't know why I'm in God, I can. He brought us over, but we can still in our minds decide to go back. When you stop listening to your old names, they stop having power over you. When you stop listening to your old names, they stop having power over you. Before I continue, I have to do this. Because the Bible says if I don't, and somebody goes to eternal hell, it's on me. Each of us has got a hourglass in our lives. Those are the, the seconds in your life. You know but one thing. You know the ones that's already passed. The one thing you don't know is how much is still left. You could be hit by a washing machine as you walk out the door. Like me, you could sit, just sit there working and the next moment it feels like someone is hitting you behind the head with a baseball bat. And then perspectives change a bit. 
So I have to do this. I've shown you all these things. That's yours if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I want you to just close your eyes for a moment, please. If you sit here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I have to give you the opportunity to do so. Because if I don't and you're not saved, it's on me. So if you sit here this morning and you haven't done that and you want to do that this morning, won't you please raise your hand? I'm going to ask again. If that's you and you want to do it this morning, please raise your hand so that we can pray with you. Nobody? Okay, thank you. Then I will, see, then I will assume all of you are saved. Okay, I've done my bit. I've made the invitation. Okay, now we're going to do a prophetic action, if that's okay with you. What happened to the bags? Oh, on the table. Okay. Uh, okay, okay. Thank you. You've, we've got to be fluid. <laughs> Plans change. So I'm going to ask my prop here. I'm going to give you the opportunity to just do a little prophetic action. There on the back table, there's a box full of black bags. I want you to go and get one of those black bags. It's, it's been cut out with the head and two arms. Put on the black bag and give that black bag the name that you've been calling yourself that's not in line with the word of God. Give it that name or the names. So let's say my prop here has been calling himself not worthy. Give that black bag the name not worthy. Then you're going to queue down here, down the aisle. You will have some time to think about the names you've been calling yourself. And then I want you to step up to the cross. Take off this, this name that you've been calling yourself. Put it before the cross. Then move across to the table. Communion has been prepared for you. And there's a little treasure box. And inside that treasure box is a little paper for each person. Take the paper, and that is the names God calls you. And take communion, and go and sit down, and take that piece of paper, and say, God, thank you that these are the names you call me. Jesus, thank you as I take communion. That's what you did for me, so that I can be righteous before my heavenly Father. If you don't feel comfortable to do it, don't. I just want to afford you a, a, a prophetic action where you can physically feel the names you've been calling yourself. Rejected, abused, sinner, unworthy, not good enough, loser. Give this bag that name. And when you step forward, you come and take it off and you put it. You can tear it off if you like. We're not going to reuse them. Put it before the cross of Jesus Christ. And then move across, take a little paper, take communion, go and sit down and read what God calls you and call you yourself that thing or those names. 
And then while you use communion, you say, thank you, Lord, that you did this for me, that I can be in right standing before you. And then you take that little paper that's yours to keep and be reminded every time. Use it as a bookmark that you can be reminded of what God calls you. Is that okay? Just a prophetic action. If you feel uncomfortable to do it, don't. Then just, just go and use communion. And if you're not comfortable to use communion, we grew up communion at a time. It's four times a year. It's not biblical. We have communion as often as we could. Because the Bible, Jesus says, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of, remembrance of me. Is that okay? So in the back table, there's a black bag. Get a black bag. Put it on. Come, and, I, and I'm going to ask you to stop there where the white tiles start until the person in front of you is, 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 is um, finished. And I'm going to ask you, take as long as you need. Thereafter, the ministry team would be here. If you want prayer, come, please, let us pray with you. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ, but you didn't have the freedom to put up your hand, come talk to me, please. Is that okay? Can I just pray for us? Thank you, Father God, that you brought us over from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of your beloved Son. Thank you, Lord, that these things are no longer our portion that we can have what you have in store for us. I pray this morning, Father God, as each person puts that black bag on, they feel the weight of the names they've been calling themselves that's not in line with your word. And as they take those bags off, Father, I ask you to free them so that they can feel the weight lifted. And as they have Holy Communion, Lord, and they remind it of what you call them, While they have communion, Lord, that you will minister to them. Thank you, Father, that I can stand here today saying I'm the righteousness of God. Not because of what I did, not because of my past or my life, but because of what you did when you nailed my instrument of death to that cross. Thank you that people have the freedom to do this. In Jesus' name, amen.